We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always. I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we got a special guest today. It's Matt Brooks, writing for Nets Daily, writing for Basketball News. Uh, he's been covering everything about the Brooklyn Nets. And man, the news cycle never stops when you're covering the Brooklyn Nets. Matt, what's up, man? Thanks for taking some time out of your day to chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and that's a good way to describe it. This has like been the most busy off season I can remember. So yeah, and which is not a bad thing, by the way. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 good to be here. So we're going to talk about Andre Drummond, Goran Dragic, uh, how they sort of fit in with the Bulls after both were with the Nets last season. We're going to talk about just the Eastern Conference hierarchy. Now that we know Kevin Durant's trade demand has been a failure. He's going back to the Nets. Kyrie's coming back to the Nets. Uh, they could be pretty good. They're uh, they're interesting in the Eastern Conference, trying to see where they stack up compared to the Bulls, compared to the rest of the East. But first, Jason, we got to talk about the Chicago Sky punching their ticket to the semifinals yesterday with a 90-72 win over the New York Liberty. Uh, I got to say, as Chicago guys, Jason, it just feels so good to beat New York's ass in sports. <laughs> it's like nothing makes me happier than seeing Chicago with New York, man. I'm sorry. I have to like really rub this in. But uh, it's Sky, at one point, it was a three-point game in the fourth quarter. Sky go on a 20-3 to run. Just furious defense, great ball movement, two things we've seen all year from the Sky, and just a team that really spreads the wealth in terms of scoring. It's not one person ever carrying the scoring load for the Sky. Yesterday, all five starters between 12 and 15 points. Ezra Stevens had 12 off the bench, and Rebecca Gardner, 
I keep saying, I want Dalen Terry to watch all of the Rebecca Gardner tape because just the perimeter size, her passing ability, she just has that connective tissue in her that I think Dalen Terry could potentially one day be for the ball. So great to see the sky get it done in a do or die game three. They will face the winner of the Connecticut Sun versus the Dallas Wings. That's going on tonight. I expect the Sun to win that game, which would set up a rematch of last year's semifinals, Sky versus Sun. A year ago, the Sun were the favorite to win the WNBA title. This guy came in and whooped their ass in the semifinals. I believe this guy went 4-0 against the Sun this year. So I'm feeling very confident as a Sky super fan that they're going back to the finals. Now, the other side of the bracket, you got Brianna Stewart in the Seattle Storm going against Asia Wilson in the Las Vegas Aces. That's going to be a damn bloodbath. I'm not making any predictions about the finals, Jason, but I'm feeling pretty good that this guy can beat whoever comes out of the Dallas-Connecticut series. Uh, this guy, I mean, every other team in Chicago sports will fucking break your spirit, let you down, spit all over you. But the sky, they've always got your back. So yeah, get I, on I was, the wagon if you haven't. I was, I was at, I was at Cubs Cardinals last night, so I got to see a nice ass whooping. Uh, the Cubs lost thirteen to three, left after the seventh inning. But they were showing the sky, like the score on the big scoreboard. They showed, I think Candace Parker had was it Candace who had the crazy like weird highlight, just like crazy shot that went in. Uh, but yeah, I left when like right as the fourth quarter, so I left the Cubs game and they were only up, they were up 10. I was like, all right, here we go. Like they got this, uh, doing pretty good here. Uh, and then I saw that they got down to three. I'm like, is this going to be a repeat of game one where they blew it? They choked in those last three minutes of game one, but then they huge run big spurt to finish off. That was great to see. So yeah, nice. Great to see the sky. I say one Chicago team, the Cubs are terrible. The white Sox are terrible. The bears are going to be terrible. We'll see about the bulls. Uh, so I guess we'll use that as a way to transition into talking about the Bulls now uh, and their offseason. Basically, mostly was Zach Levine, who congratulations, Zach Levine, by the way, he just had uh, his first son. I believe they named him Saint. I don't remember. Saint Thomas, I think. Saint Thomas Levine. Yeah. So congrats to him. They said they re-signed him and then they re-signed Derek Jones Jr. And then they signed Goran Dragic, Andre Drummond, two guys who played for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I cannot say I watched a whole lot of Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond tape last season uh, or that much. So that's why we wanted to bring Matt on to kind of talk about what he what he saw from the last season, what they contributed, if they have anything left in the tank, how they fit in with this Bulls team. I guess we'll we'll start with Drummond because I think Drummond was the first guy that the Bulls did sign in free agency. Drummond started with the Sixers and then he goes to Brooklyn in the uh, James Harden trade. Uh, he played, let's see here, 24 games in the regular season, started all 24 for the Nets, 22 minutes a game, 11.8 points, 10.3 rebounds. We know he's a great rebounder. Playoffs, he was awful, I believe. Mm-hmm. Four, ga- four, four games, four starts, 15 minutes a game, and I believe he and just did basically nothing. So obviously not great there, but he's coming in to be the backup, not to be the starting center. So Matt, Andre Drummond. What do you what do you make of him? He's only still only what twenty nine. It's like yeah. amazing to think that he's still not even thirty yet. What did you think of the Bulls targeting him? Did, do you think he has anything left? I know he kind of like had cut, turned into a meme at one point with the like the LeBron like back and forth thing, and he's kind of yeah. changed teams since being an all star a few times since being an all star. What do you think of the the Andre Drummond thing for the Bulls? I thought he was good in Philly, um, and I think the backup role is probably what you want for him. Um, you know, I think once there was a little bit more on his plate that's where things kind of fell apart. I also like, I was watching for, I'm. this is going to sound insane, but I was watching footage 
of him in Cleveland. And I thought, and this I'm doing for background, I'm doing like a big project on TJ Warren right now. So like, there's no footage of him from the last two years. So I forgot, I just straight up forgot that Drummond was a, was a Cavalier for a bit. I Um, did too. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, but the thing that I noticed was like, he's in considerably, like he's just a lot slimmer. Um, So I don't know how that's going to affect things, but I just felt like based on whether it was that he bulked up, excuse me, just because he knew he was going to be taking, you know, a lesser role in Philly, or he just really wasn't playing as much. So he put on a little bit more weight. I think that kind of caught up with him in a way. Again, this is, I'm just sort of guessing just because it was like, it felt like he kind of had nothing in the playoffs. Um, And there were just like a lot of little like Andre Drummond plays that really took the nets down. There was this play where I think he received a pass on the short roll instead of just like catching it and reading it to the, or, you know, making the play to the guy in the corner, he like tried to tip it and like tipped it out of bounds. Like there's just a lot of like really goofy Drummond plays. Um, And then defensively, like it was just, it was just all over the place. Um, they they really couldn't find a scheme with him against Boston that, that made sense. He was just out of position a lot and drop when they tried to show him a little bit. That was a disaster. So it was kind of everything that you wouldn't want to happen with Drummond happened. And then the rebounding just like wasn't there. I don't remember who it was. There was somebody, I don't know if it was like Seth Curry or this might be wrong, but it was somebody that shouldn't have been out rebounding him in the first couple of games was, and it was a much smaller player. So um, yeah, overall, like I, I, I think in this specific role where he's having a limited, you know, I guess spotlight on him, I think it makes a little bit more sense and you could get a little bit more just out of him in that way. Uh, just based on Drummond's skill set from what you saw last year, like what's the best way to leverage him? Obviously, he's going to be in a smaller role backing up Nikola Vucevic. Well, Vuce was kind of a big disappointment for the Bulls last year, yep. too. To me, they have to sort of be deployed in similar ways. Like one thing the Bulls talked about coming into the offseason was that they wanted to add rim protection. Well, Andre Drummond might be super long and super big, but he's not really someone who's going to be jumping above the rim to block shots. So I don't know how much rim protection he gives you. You talked about him being a little more comfortable in drop schemes. But of course, it seems like Andre Drummond uh, is potentially easily distracted by plenty of things yep. going on on the court. So uh, just like where where do you think he can actually be helpful for the Bulls and actually be successful just in terms of, you know, his usage? I mean, he's just a, like, I don't, he's obviously can do more. Like he'll have games where his it's, it's like his hands kind of just depend game to game. Like there'll be games where he catches everything and he's finishing everything in traffic. And then there's games where it's just like, I don't even know, like you can't have this guy touch the ball unless it's an offensive rebound. Um, And that's kind of what you're getting on offense defensively. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's mixed. Like they had some success on the regular season, I guess, when showing him a little bit, just because he's got quick hands, like he's always been able to, you know, flash in and disrupt plays. But as you go, you know, deeper into the season and you play teams that are better and better, like that stuff just isn't, it's just not sitting there for the taking as much. So I think in the regular season, you can get, you know, some, some, I don't want to call it like versatility because I don't expect like Andre Drummond to be like switching on Trey Young or anything like that. But like, you know, he'll be able to show and flash his hands a little bit and then you'll get him and drop and that'll be okay depending on the on the rep. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, you kind of know what you're getting, I think, from Drummond in a sense. Like, yeah, I guess like we just looking at it like positively, I guess like you hope he's better than Tony Bradley, who like Tony Bradley has like the worst hands in the NBA. Uh, he is very long. He was okay at like just blocking and being doing the rim protection stuff sometimes, but like he was just so bad offensively. 
I know Drummond offensively, like you said, his hands are kind of like hit or miss. I know like he can be like a creative passer sometimes, mm-hmm. like he, but he also like thinks he's like way better of a passer than he is. Right? I think our guy Stefan No, who I think he, I think he put together some clips of like Drummond trying it's just some like really ambitious shit passing yeah. wise. So like, so like the Bulls like to use Vucevic obviously in like the high post and as a passer. So they, I'm sure they like think they can do that with Drummond sometimes, but it seems like that could be. Maybe it'll work sometimes. Other times, just going to be a complete disaster, which again, like maybe a little better than Tony Bradley, but still could also turn into some just really ugly turnovers. Is that basically right here? Yeah, I would say so. The Nets have had like two guys like this over the, or yeah, like last three years. DeAndre Jordan was the other one where it's just like, you're like, all right, like I, I love that. I love that we're, we're putting DeAndre Jordan at the nail and having him you know, set up the offense, but like, maybe we could do this a little bit less. And I feel like Drummond is the same way where you get him in the short roll. And sometimes it's like, Ooh, that was a really nice read. I don't know how he made that. And then other times it's like, he'll barge into two defenders and it's just, you know, you're not really sure what you're going to get, I guess, all the time from him as a, as a playmaker at the very least. Uh, let's uh, talk about Goran Dragic a bit because hmm. he came over to the Nets midseason. He was originally involved in the Kyle Lowry deal between the Raptors and the Heat. Didn't really play on the Raptors whatsoever. Only played five games there. They pretty much shut him down. He was waiting to get out of there and get another opportunity. He found it a bit in Brooklyn. From the tape that I've seen of Goran Dragic, man, does he look like He's pretty washed from the days of the bubble when he was a huge contributor for the Heat on their way to the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm not optimistic about this signing. Do you want to say anything, Matt, to change my mind? That yeah, I'm going to push back. Left in the tank. I'm going to push back a little bit. I thought that regular season, it was just like he just couldn't find his role. They were using him off ball a lot, which I thought was weird. I mean, their entire off the Nets' entire offense for the last two months was like, Hey, we're just going to run like a billion pick and rolls with KD. And, and that was like, really a, a, like, you can't go wrong with that, especially in the regular season. We saw the limits of that in the postseason against Boston um, with having KD kind of set up the offense that way as like the lead guy. But Drogic was a lot of times in the corner. They used him like here and there as a screener. Like he, he even said it to us, uh, to the media it was just a role he was really not comfortable with. He he was used to running pick and roll and kind of setting up the offense himself. Playoffs roll around and they start using him in that way. And I thought he was really good. I I, I mean, like for lack of a better term, he's a gamer. Like he's just, he shows up in the postseason. The biggest problem for me was that they were running him for, I, I have it pulled up right now, like 19.8 minutes per game. Yep. He's got like a game where he's had 24 minutes game one. He played 26 minutes. He would come out just scorching hot in the first half. And then the second half, it's like, all right, you know, Goran Dragic is what? He's 36. Like yeah. you'd start to see it. Um, so I think in a way, if he's in a little bit more of a limited role where he's a getting reps as an on-ball guy um, and, and kind of, you know, predicating what happens in the offense, but B he's playing closer to like 12 to 15. I actually kind of like this move. I like it way more than the Drummond move personally. Interesting. Yeah. Because like when they, they first signed him, it sounded kind of weird to me. Uh, just because the they Bulls do have like a bunch of guys in their backcourt. Obviously the Lonzo ball stuff, which we'll probably talk a little bit about later, just like, it's still totally up in the air. They have whatever I would assume they have Kobe White. They drafted Dale and Terry. Uh, so it's like, are they, why are they drafting or why are they signing like another guard, an old, like an older guard, whatever? So, like, it seemed kind of weird. And then I think he came out and like did some interview in, over in Europe. And he's like, oh, I'm like, 
they told me I'm going to play like 20 some minutes a game and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that just doesn't seem like great at all. So just like with the, with the way the roster was just the roster construction, it seemed like a weird signing to me. And like, so I'm just like, it is interesting that you're saying that it seemed like he played a bit better uh, and in like a small role could be okay. I'm just definitely very curious about like how the bulls approach their backcourt rotations. They have just a ton and they have Caruso. Haven't even mentioned Caruso. They have obviously Zach Levine as a shooting guard. Uh, so it's like they have all these guys and like, but and now you have Dragic, Dragic saying all this stuff about how he's going to play. So I'm like, it just seemed like a weird with the Bulls lack of shooting and all that stuff. It just seemed weird for to bring in this 36 year old. Maybe they just wanted a veteran. Maybe they really are worried about Lonzo Ball missing time. And I know people have talked about like, oh, is he at Lonzo Ball insurance, which not really just because they're just totally different players. But like, I mean, I guess if as long as he's not like totally washed, that's at least nice to. Nice to hear and get your take on that, but uh, I like yeah, just your take on like Dragic's fit with the rest of that backcourt, like 12, 15 minutes a game. You said sounds right. Like yeah, I'm just really curious to see how that all kind of plays out with all these guys. I mean, like, who would you say is kind of like the traditional point guard on the roster? Like, if because that's kind of essentially what he was for the Nets. And by the way, Nets fans were like, they were upset that he wasn't going to come back, and he made okay. that. Very clear. I don't remember what inter- it might even been towards the end of the season. He had a comment about it just about how essentially crazy the locker room was. It like was. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. But it was it was out there. Uh, it might, you know, it might even been an exit interview. So it's whatever. He, yeah. he made it very clear. He was like, I don't I'm know not, what the I'm hell's going on here. Yeah. yeah, but I'm out of here. And by the way, he was ahead of the curve along with Harden. So um, but no, I, I mean, who would you say is like, the, I mean, Lonzo's the clear starting point guard. But then like, yeah, behind him. I mean, like Caruso is like a point guard. Like yeah. Kobe White, point guard. Io, Io started at point guard when Lonzo missed a lot of time in Caruso. So there so it's you like, go. The thing is, like, I would prefer, I think, like Io being the backup point guard, even though, like, when he first came to the league and we talked about him all the time, obviously on our pod, like, we didn't really think he would be. We'd like he'd be more of like a wing, a guy who'll be like a defensive guy. And then just there were so many backcourt injuries, he ended up being pretty good. He built some nice rapport with Vucevic. So like, I would prefer playing him more. The Kobe stuff is weird because like I thought they were going to trade him this year for this offseason for sure. He's still there. And like if he's not going to like I'd be curious whether they'll play him. So like I am like again, I'm just curious that like is Dragic going to be the backup point? Is Io going to be the backup point? Is Dragic going to be third string and literally just like a deep bench guy? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just and then given like the Bulls, like I said, lack of shooting, like Dragic <laughs> is an okay shooter, like at uh, 30, what, like 35, 35, 36. Like, yeah. Obviously, you said he was playing a lot off ball, but just wasn't really that affected that's not really his game so it's like so it just that's why it was just kind of a weird sign to me even if like in a vacuum like even if he's not washed and still like a decent player just with the roster construction i was just kind of confused by it i guess ultimately yeah i could see him being like the odd man out in that way but i mean if if there is a way that like you know say somebody doesn't have the season that they had last year or there's an injury like he's not the worst guy yeah Yeah. exactly like that's not the worst guy to come in and for me like just with the way he's able to set things up and orchestrate the offense like he's i do think there's legitimate value there if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs twice a week jj reddick is cooking on his podcast the old man and the three he has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else including devin booker on why he talks so much trash ray allen's epic free throw competitions with lebron in miami 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk about the Nets. Yeah. Because the Nets <laughs> finally had a little bit of peace earlier this week when they announced a joint press release with the boardroom and said <laughs> Kevin Durant is coming back to Brooklyn. Mm. I'm sure everything will be kumbaya or whatever back in Brooklyn. Uh, two weeks after Kevin Durant gave an ultimatum to uh, the owner and said, it's either me or Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Uh, but this Nets team of course, could be pretty interesting uh, if everything goes right. Kyrie Irving, potentially this year, should be available full-time. Ben Simmons is a huge wild card. We didn't see him at all last year. Very quietly had a major back procedure last season, just when we thought he might come back for the playoffs. He leaves the group chat. He has (laughs) spine surgery. Now, it was a micro disectomy. Is that correct? In terms of the Ben Simmons... Back yeah, I believe so. I think so. That's a pretty serious procedure. I'm sure there's like degrees to it, and it depends like where it is on the back, and it's going to be different in every case. Is that what Michael Porter Jr.'s had a few times? Yes. I believe Dwight Howard had that too when he was on the Lakers. So to me, it would seem a little optimistic to expect Ben Simmons to return to form as soon as next season starts, given that, you know, when you're 6'10, you have back surgery, that's pretty tough. Not to mention the fact that he didn't play last year. Uh, and then Joe Harris, who I keep saying is the Nets version of Lonzo Ball, where he might be their fourth best player, but without him, the entire team crumbles. And that's what happened to the Bulls without Lonzo. That's kind of what happened to the Nets without Joe Harris. <laughs> so, Matt, you're, you're a dude who covers the Nets. The KD drama is over. You may add Markeith Morris-sized piece to your roster. Or Tristan Thompson. Sweet. Old friend, Tristan Thompson. He sucks. Really bad. <laughs> Don't really sign bad. Tristan Thompson. So how are you feeling about the Nets right now? Feel good. Um, you know, I think they had a good offseason. Uh, but it's like a lot of wild cards. Even like 
uh, TJ Warren. Um, yeah. You know, this guy could be good. We don't know. We haven't seen him in two years. Uh, ben Simmons is a great example of a wild card. I think, you know, the Royce O'Neal pickup now makes a little more sense. Kind of know what Royce O'Neal is. He'll come in and be the Bruce Brown that's going to be able to hit from the corners, which I think, you know, you look at kind of how this team's set up. It's A, just a team that's better spaced than last year's team, and B, fits a little bit better with Simmons in particular. Uh, whether or not KD and Kyrie are going to be back, uh, you know, TJ Warren can shoot well from the corners. Royce O'Neal can shoot well from the corners. So, you know, there, there are a couple roster moves away. They're going to fill this team out. Uh, there's a good chance that some of these moves that they make right now are not, you know, whether it's a Markeith Morris or even a Boogie Cousins or anybody like that. Um, there's a good chance they're not major role players yeah. for the Nets. And they might be back at around, you know, whether there's buyouts or anything like that this year, they might be active again, as they have been in the last couple of years, trying to fill up some of these holes that they weren't able to fill because of this whole KD drama. But I mean, they have KD locked in, they have Kyrie locked in, and they got a bunch of guys returning. Uh, I'm happy you mentioned Joe Harris, by the way, because he's like another just he's had two ankle procedures this year, um, have not heard much about him like there's. Some, I mean, Ben Simmons is the same way where we haven't heard too much. Sounds like he's should be good. Uh, Close in a to being weeks. cleared for five, yeah, on like five, five on five. Times, I think the other which, day, yeah, yeah, which cool. But like Joe Harris, we've heard nothing, like not a thing. So it's like it's just a bunch of question marks on a team that needs no question marks at all. Like they need to get off to a hot start in the first 15 games. They need everything to be kumbaya because the sooner you get to February and the trade deadline and things are not as they seem um, or not as they should be, if you're trying to you know, bring everybody back in, the sooner we go back to what this whole summer has been, which has been guys unhappy, guys asking out, uh, guys wondering about the direction of this team. Um, so I think that in a sense, it's, it's, a, it's pretty – it's the netsiest season in a while. Like it's truly like, it feels like everything that could go wrong. has the possibility of going wrong. And if there's one thing about the Brooklyn nets over the last couple of years, it's that that happens. But, but if things magically work well, I mean, this is a team that has the ability to get to the NBA finals and really make noise. Uh, I'm curious really interesting. about yeah. Steve Nash. Oh Yeah. Because, you know, the ultimatum total hot Nash yeah. under the spotlight. Once again, Steve Nash is a relatively young human being. He's 48 years old. He's made more than one hundred million dollars in his career playing and coaching basketball. If I'm Steve Nash, the last fucking thing I want to do is beef <laughs> with Kevin Durant over anything. I would rather be spending my time on yachts, hanging out with beautiful people, doing anything other than going through the grind of an 82 game NBA season <laughs> where there's all this national running from the grind on my, I, I love to run from the grind. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, where there's all this media attention on like, you know, what is going to happen with the present and the future of the Brooklyn Nets. So how do you think this year sets up for Steve Nash? I have been saying from the Bulls perspective, I think it's a big year for Billy Donovan. Uh, the pressure on Nash is so much higher than the pressure on Donovan coming into this year. And like, do you think Nash is like, is his heart truly in coaching? Because he's not someone who was like, you know, busting his ass to like get an opportunity. to right. do that. He kind of just got it handed to him. And he's like, oh, I get Kevin Durant sick. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what do you think about Nash heading into this year? I honestly thought he was going to step down at the end of the year, at the end of last year, or, or I just was, that was the biggest surprise of the off season. Like even, even beyond Katie 
asking for a trade. That to me was more surprising than the KD trade request. Cause I had a feeling I was like, this is, this isn't going well. Like, and I, I don't know people were being, you know, when it seemed like Kyrie wasn't going to come back and he's gonna go to the Lakers, you know, people were like, Oh, it's just going to be KD and Ben Simmons next year. And I was like, I just don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> and then of course, Kyrie opts in and then KD then requests out. Um, so yeah, I think Nash for me was this big, Surprise. I, at this point, I don't know what are we two years in? I have no idea what Nash's coaching philosophies are in a sense. Um, and that I think is kind of indicative of why so many people were ready to see him move on and what, you know, do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, so this is a big year for him, for him to put his imprint on this team. Um, you know, like that's been the Nets mantra this year is that they want to take their team back. So I'm interested to see if that applies to Steve Nash as well. Is it just the front office saying, Hey, we want to get back to the point where we're making all the decisions. We are deciding who's going to be on the roster or whatever. Um, or, or, you know, or does that also apply to Steve Nash? Are we going to see what Steve Nash is made of? I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Like he feels like the fall guy. Um, if things do not go well, you know, in the first 20 or so games, right, I was just going to ask that. Like if they're like 500, after like a quarter of the way through the season, yeah. and he's out. I mean, I don't know. Cause I, I yeah. said that I thought he was gone after, <laughs> after the Celtics series. Like I, I was like, all right, well, this is it for Steve Nash. And then they've been pretty much in lockstep with the front, the front office and Joe Sai have been like, big time Steve Nash guys. Like they're it's, he's like part of the brain trust in a sense. So I don't know, like, are they just going to start think, are they going to be like, we'll just trade KD, I guess. And we'll keep Nash. I don't right. know. Like none of it makes sense to me really, but um, I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, if he was gone after 20, but I could also just see him being a Brooklyn net until I, you know, until I wither away and <laughs> decompose. Like, I don't know. Oh, got it. Uh, ben Simmons thing is interesting. I saw a report today. I can't remember who reported it that talking about like Simmons playing center and all that kind of stuff. So I guess like looking at their current roster, like is that what makes the most sense? Who they? I mean, we talk about signing Morris, baby. Tristan Thompson. Do they? Does Simmons play center? Like who else? They have what? It's Katie, Kyrie, Simmons. Those three, and then it's Joe Harris and what Close. Seth? Uh, no, well, Ro- well okay, O'Neal. well. Yeah, I mean, depends if you have if you have if Simmons is playing center, then yeah, you're probably looking at Royce O'Neal, I would assume. Um, if he's not, then you got Nick Claxton next to Claxton, Simmons, which, right? Right. Which, like, I I don't know. I I think you know people like there was. I mean, that last year's Nets team just the spacing was so bad all year round, but it was also because you had lineups out there where it was like you know Harden, uh, <laughs> Patty Mills. James Johnson, Deontay Pemphrey, yeah, yeah. and Nick Claxton. It's like, okay, well, I don't think the spacing is going to be that bad when you have Kyrie, KD, and Joe Harris, all of whom can play off ball, two of whom can create on the ball. And then, you know, Simmons and, and Claxton, like that's significantly different than whatever iteration of James Johnson, Bembry's, whatever, uh, that the Nets were throwing out there last year. So um, I, I'm, I guess I'm not shocked that they're toying with the idea, but it's not something that I think, I mean, we've seen it before. Like you can't just yeah. run Ben Simmons as your starting center. The rim right. protection isn't there. Yeah. Like it's just not, it's, it's not the best way to utilize him. I, I think he needs to be next to somebody that's going to clean up for his deficiencies um, as a defender. And he's just like, you need him at the point of attack. Like you'd much rather do that, especially for this Nets team. Let's talk about the East yep. in general. The East last year was better than the West. Probably. 
I would say that's not a hot take for like the first time in 20 years, essentially mm-hmm. the East this year, I think got even better. And that's especially the case now that we know Kevin Durant remaining in the conference with the Nets, uh, looking at the East, the Bucks going to be awesome. The Celtics got better over the off season after going to the finals last year, Philly kind of quietly got better adding mm-hmm. PJ Tucker, Daniel house, a couple others, not quietly. They tampered. <laughs> It <laughs> uh, the Heat still around. You got the Bulls. You got the Nets. I think the Cavs would be kind of sneaky. And then the Raptors, I feel like, are on the precipice of potentially ascending. We'll see. Uh, how do you think the East shakes out this year? Just like snap judgments on the East. Do you agree with the general consensus that the Bucks and the Celtics are at the head of the class, so to speak? Uh, and, you know, how many teams in this conference realistically have a chance of making it to the NBA finals? I think it's probably the four you named, um, you know, and, and maybe the I like the Cavs, too. I, I want to see what happens with Sexton, what happens with that situation. But, yeah, I like the Cavs a lot, um, you know, uh, but I, I think it's the four you named. Um, I, 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 you know, I think you have to put Milwaukee and Boston ahead of Brooklyn, not necessarily because they're Ross. Well, I think Boston's roster is probably a little bit better and Milwaukee's really good as well. Uh, but most more so just because like, we know what we're getting from those teams yeah. versus Brooklyn is like, boy, like Steve Nash might not be here in 20 games. And you know, Kevin Durant might be a son by January, you know, February. Like we just have no idea. So I think for that reason, you have to put those two there. You know what you're getting. Philly's really interesting to me. Just, uh, you know, good off season, uh, another year of the Embiid Harden partnership. I'm really curious to see what Harden looks like this year. Um, just, I mean, look, it's it's the off season. Every guy's doing workout videos, but I do feel like Harden for me as somebody who like watched him for what you know, it really was only a full calendar year, which feels strange. But, yeah. You know, watched a good amount of Harden. Um, watching how he played last year, I feel like the deficiencies in his game were really exposed. So. Um, I know he's been working some on some of those things. So I'm curious to see, is he going to incorporate a little bit more of a mid-range game? Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to start posting up, but is he going to be able to start leveraging his size in different ways as he ages sort of more into like a slower bully ball point guard? Um, I'm, I'm really curious to see. I mean, he's one of the biggest swing guys yeah, for in the sure. East for me. Um, that's that's a guy that, you know, he's this is a big year for him. Um you know, but he, he really, I mean, that, that team is dramatically different if he's able to, you know, age gracefully and add certain aspects to his game that he just didn't have last year, I think, because he wasn't prepared to decline. Like you're not, yeah. you're never going to be ready for that. Now he kind of knows what's on his plate and what stage of his career he's getting into. So yeah, I, I probably have the Nets as the third best team. I can be talked into Philly though. Um, that's probably where I would go. Uh, I'd probably go Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly right now. But, and then after that, maybe the Cavs. I do like the Raptors as well. Uh, I'm leaving Miami out and I, I don't want to deal with that. So <laughs> Miami's maybe in that five as well. But yeah, I think, I think it'll be a fun, fun conference for sure. Yeah. So then obviously, I mean, the Bulls took a big leap last year, got to 46 wins. They were in first place. Uh, set, what, 70 games? Not 70 games. So it was like 75% of the season, almost three quarters of the way in. First place, and then the last core of the season, they just fall apart. No Lonzo. Caruso was hurt a bit. Zach was hurt a bit. Defense totally tanked. Offense kind of tanked, too. They're three-point shooting. Then they got smoked by the Bucks in the playoffs. 
And now that that we talk about their offseason, don't really do too much. Nothing that interesting. Drummond, Dragic re-signed two of their guys, including Zach, which is good. So it's like we are, I wouldn't say like we're really (laughs) pessimistic about where they're at, but like we talk about all these teams about how good the East is. And like even if the Knicks get Mitchell, like maybe that's not like a championship like difference making move, but like that makes them a bit better. And like in terms of the Bulls, like in terms of maybe fighting for a top six or even the play in tournament at all, it's like, where are they going to slide here? So like we did a pod last week where we went through schedule. We both came up with 44 wins, like individually, we came up, we had different games. We both came up with 44. That's like right where the line is. Where do how do you feel about the Bulls uh, in the Eastern conference? And like, just kind of where, kind of where they're going with this team. Cause they, they were so bad after they traded Jimmy for four years and they'd make some of these big moves to whatever last offseason and this offseason disappointing and kind of quiet. So they're like banking on this being healthier, which we don't even know if they'll be yet because Lonzo was like, whatever. And then mm-hmm. this continuity was Carnage Sovis is like big buzzword. Uh, so like, is that actually going to actually help them or are they kind of going to fall back and like be a play in team with all these other good teams in the East? Yeah, I probably lean that, but I, I don't hate what they did. Like, I do think there's value in trying to just bring good players in and, and maybe that's going to get you on the map. And, and that's going to attract the next star, um, especially when you're a market like Chicago. So I get it. I never really hated the move. Like, what's what's the downside, I guess? I mean, you could tank it out and see, you know, whatever, if you can, whatever, you could you could try that route. But I, I don't I don't hate what they're doing necessarily. Um, I do think that the conference has improved it to a degree that, you know, it's going to be really hard to crack that top six. Um, so that kind of leaves me wondering, yeah, like, are they going to be battling it out with some of the teams that we mentioned? Um, and I, I, you know, I, the Lonzo thing is a huge aspect of it. And I also really worry about, you know, they start off really hot defensively. I mean, the Nets did also, I, I always get a little queasy when it comes to like really hot starts defensively. And then yeah. the, just the bottom falls out completely. Yeah. Those teams I worry about a lot. Cause it's like, I don't know which one you are, but if you're the, if you're the latter of the two, like it's not smooth sailing going forward. If they um, ended like 23rd. I was looking at, like, I forgot how bad they ended up their season. Yeah. They were getting smoked nightly the end yep. of the year because they were playing all good teams. They were losing about like 20 to all these playoff teams like every night and they were just getting roast defensively. And it was, it was not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, again, as it was kind of similar to the Nets last year where the Nets were like a top 10 defensive team and everybody's like, Oh my God, like, you know, they're running drop and it's yeah. working and it's like, all right, well, <laughs> let's give it like two opponents are shooting like 28% from three. Like, why don't we just give it a little bit? And you know, there we go. The Nets were not a good defensive team by the very end. Ricky, you got anything else here? I'm good. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have anything else either. So I guess ultimately, just your final, your what would you predict happens to the Nets? Like where where do you think they end up after all? Of I know there's so many variables and all that, but your gut right now, Nets, Jason. Like, you, what a question. Yeah, do you oh, think they actually? I guess what they have not been to the conference finals yet with the scoop. Do you think they at least yeah. get to the conference finals? Oh man, what a killer question. Oh boy, <laughs> I think they'll win a lot of regular season games. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, God, it's so hard. I, I mentioned Joe Harris, the question marks, the, the Ben Simmons question marks, um, there are question marks pretty much for every single guy up and down the roster. Even like Seth Curry had ankle issues last year. Oh boy. So, you know what? I'll say this. I think there'll be a top three, four seed. 
I could see them making the conference finals. I wouldn't go farther than that. I could, I think probably second round bounce is where I see this team ultimately falling. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of brings me back to like, I don't know what a good comparison is like Kyrie's last year on Boston. Oh yeah. Where it's like, it's kind of teetering in a way. And it's like, all right, we're going to like, maybe if we just get to the playoffs, it's all going to work out, uh, which is actually weirdly kind of where the Nets were last year. Uh, And I I could just sort of see it working out like that this year where it's like, man, the Nets are not like this elite team, but they're pretty good. And they got all this talent and they get through the first round and things look good. And then it's like, you know, all of the, just the madness that has happened over the last three years kind of catches up to them. And um, I, I, I sort of see that ultimately being this team's destiny. So yeah, I'll, I'll say conservatively, you know, a second round bounce um, decent top four seed. That's fair. And that, that does happen. So like second round bounce, you think was what Kyrie free agent. And then yeah. you think, you think that breaks up then if that, if they don't make it, Further, like, I mean, obviously, again, so many questions. And KD is on Twitter fighting every day with people, yep. and you never really know what these guys are thinking. Kyrie's obviously long run of uh, just be, who knows what's going on in his mind. So just two of the most <laughs> just very interesting star players in this league decided to come together in this team, yep. and it's kind of played out. As, I don't want to say predictable. I obviously I thought they'd no. than, I thought they'd win more games than than what's been happened, but like just been weird, and it. Like we're okay for right now, I guess, but we'll see yeah. what they do. So it's it's, it's it's like an impossible question to answer. So I don't it know. is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best I can do with it. Uh, no, I mean, it kind of depends on like how bad, like let's say they lose in the second round. Like how bad is it? Is it just like a sweep? Again? Yeah, like if Boston that's like, like them in the second yeah, round or if something. They get yeah. Blown to smithereens. It's like, all right, well, yeah. Like, what are we doing here in a way? Yeah. Like, I think that'll be different versus if it's like a seven gamer and they lose whatever, maybe that's where you can talk yourself into it. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's, ugh, there's just a million ways that this could go. And it's like no other basketball team I can remember <laughs> where you just have no idea. Like literally this could be a Jalen Brown could be a Brooklyn net by <laughs> February. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Fun stuff. I can't wait for the season to start. We're obviously in the dog days of August right now. And it's nice that the KD situation is resolved for right now because <laughs> that would have played into the played into the season. If we had a holdout, that just would have been messy, messy, messy. So I'm glad you guys can now focus more on that and NBA fans in general can maybe we'll see if we get the Donovan Mitchell trade at some point. And uh for the Bulls, we'll see. I'm excited for them to come back, even if we've been kind of eh, about their offseason and about this season, but it'll be exciting. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Please give us uh, just your list, uh, our listeners, just uh, where they could find you, just all your information, all that fun stuff. Give yourself a plug. Yeah, yeah. Um, just follow me at Matt Brooks MBA uh, on Twitter. That's where everything is: articles, uh, videos, podcasts, whatever. Anything that I do is going to be on there. I'm pretty good about sharing. So yeah, and thank you guys again for having me on, and thank you for everybody f- to listen to me talk about. Goran Dragic really positively. <laughs> I know you had that. Hopefully maybe it'll help help ease me a little a little bit. Again, I don't feel still don't feel great about Goran Dragic, but like a, a little better, I guess, at least for someone that watched him the little Church more. Church of Goran over here. But yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Uh so yeah, thank you again, Matt, for joining us. This was great. Great to have you. 
Uh, that'll do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Air Network. Please, if you like what we're doing here, check out all the other great pods across the network. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. And then please give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, all those good places. So, for Cash Considerations, a Bulls podcast. Thanks again for Mad Brooks for joining us. This has been Jason Ricky. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.